Good afternoon. Hello, 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 hello. Wow. Do you know what? We are already on chapter 13. I don't know how many chapters there are, but we're on chapter 13 already. Um, that is of five. Go to Smuggler's Top. <clears throat> well, poor George is in a right state right now. So let's go on and see what happens to poor Timmy. <clears throat> Chapter 13 is called Poor George. I think it should be called Poor Timmy, really. By now, George was in despair. She felt as if she was in a nightmare. She went to find Sooty. He was in Julian's room next to hers, washing his hands ready for lunch. Sooty, I shall have to get into the secret passage the way you first took us in, she said, through that little study room of your father's. You know where the sliding panels are. We can't, said Sooty, looking rather alarmed. He uses it now and he'd half kill anyone who went in there. He's got the records of all his experiments there and he's put them ready to show your father. I don't care, said George desperately. I've got to get in there somehow. Timmy may starve. Oh, not Timothy. He'll live on the rats in the passages, said Sooty. Timmy could look after himself, I bet. Well, he'd die of thirst then, said George obstinately. There's no water in those passages. You know that. <clears throat> George could hardly eat any lunch because she was so worried. She made up her mind somehow to get into that little study room and see if she could open the entrance into the wall behind the panels. Then she could slip in and get Timmy. She didn't care what happened. She was going to get Timmy. I shan't tell the others, though, she thought. They would only try and stop me or offer it to do it themselves, and I don't trust anyone but myself to do this. Timmy's my dog, and I'm going to save him. After lunch, everyone went to Julian's room to discuss things. George went with them. But after a few minutes, she left them. Back in a minute, she said. They took no notice and went on discussing how to rescue Timmy. It really did seem as if the only way was to raid the study and try and get into the secret passage without being seen. But my stepfather works there now, said Sooty, and I shouldn't be surprised if he locks the door when he leaves the room. George didn't come back. After about ten minutes, Anne grew puzzled. What can George be doing? It must be about ten minutes since she went. Oh, she's probably gone to see if my old room is unlocked yet, said Sooty, getting up. I'll peep out and see if she's about. She wasn't. She didn't seem to be anywhere. She wasn't in the passage that led to Sooty's old room. She couldn't be in that room because it was still locked. And she wasn't in Mary Bell's room. Sooty peeped in George's own room, the one she shared with Anne. But that was empty too. He went downstairs and snooped around a bit. No, George. He went back to the others, puzzled. I can't find her anywhere, he said. Where can she be? Anne looked alarmed. This was such a strange house with strange happenings. 
She wished George would come. <clears throat> She's not gone into that little study room, has she? said Julian suddenly. It would be just like George to try and get into the lion's den. Oh, I didn't think of that, said Sooty. Silly of me. I'll go and see. He went down the stairs. He made his way cautiously to his father's study. He stood quietly outside the shut door. There was no sound from inside. Was his father there or not? So she debated whether to open the door and peep in or whether to knock. He decided to knock. Then, if his father answered, he could rush back upstairs before the door could be opened and his father would not know whom to scold for the interruption. So he knocked very smartly. Rap, rap. Who's that? came his stepfather's irritable voice. Come in. Am I to have no peace? At Sooty fled upstairs at once. He went to the others. George can't be in the study, he said. My stepfather's there. And he didn't sound in too good a temper either. Then where can she be? said Julian, looking worried. I do wish she wouldn't go off without telling us where she's going. She must be somewhere about. She wouldn't go very far from Timmy. They all had a good hunt over the house. Even going into the kitchen, Block was there reading a paper. What do you want? he said. You won't get it, whatever it is. We don't want anything from you, said Sooty. How's your poor, bad, bitten leg? Block looked so unpleasantly at them that they all retreated from the kitchen in a hurry. Sooty put Julian and Dick on guard and went up to the staff bedrooms to see if by any chance George had gone there. A silly idea, he knew, but George must be somewhere. <sighs> she wasn't there, of course. The children went back gloomily to Julian's room. Oh, this beastly house, said Julian. I can't say I like it. Sorry to say so, Sooty, but it's a weird place with a funny feeling about it. Sooty was not hurt at all. Oh, I agree with you, he said. I've always thought the same myself. So has Mother. And so is Mary Bell. It's my father that likes it. Where is George? said Anne. I keep on and on trying to think. There's only one place I'm certain she's not in, and that's your stepfather's study, Sooty. Even George wouldn't dare go there while your stepfather was there. But Anne was wrong. The Study was the very place where George was at that moment. The little girl had made up her mind that it was best to try and get in there and wait for a chance to open the sliding panel. So she had slipped downstairs, gone across the hall and, <clears throat> excuse me, and tried the door of the study. It was a lock. Oh, blow, said George desperately. Everything is against me. Uh, how can I get in? I must, I must. She slipped out of the side door near the study and went into the little yard onto which the study window looked. Could she get in there? But the window was barred, so that was no good either. 
She went back again, wishing she could find the key to unlock the door. But it was nowhere to be seen. Suddenly she heard Mr Lenoir's voice in the room opposite the hall. In a panic, George lifted up the lid of a big wooden chest nearby and climbed hurriedly into it. She closed the lid over her and knelt there, waiting, heart beating fast. Mr Lenoir came across the hall. He was going to his study. I shall get everything ready to show my visitor when he comes, he called to his wife. Don't disturb me at all. I shall be very busy indeed. George heard the sound of a key being put into the study door. It turned. The door opened and shut with a click. But it was not locked again from the inside. George knelt in the dark chest and considered matters. She meant to get into that study. She meant to get through the entrance into the secret passage where Tim was. That passage led from the study to Sooty's old bedroom, and somewhere in that passage was Timmy. What she was going to do once she had Timmy, she didn't quite know. Perhaps Sooty would take him to someone who could look after him for her, someone on Castaway Hill. She heard the sound of Mr Lenoir coughing. She heard the shuffling of papers. Then she heard the click of a cupboard being opened and shut. Mr Lenoir was evidently busy. Then he gave an exclamation of annoyance. He said something in an irritable voice that sounded like, Now where did I put that? Then the door opened very suddenly and Mr Lenoir came out. George had just time to close down the lid, which she had opened to let in fresh air. She knelt in the chest, trembling, as Mr Lenoir passed there and went on across the hall. George suddenly knew this was her chance. Mr Lenoir might be gone for a few minutes and give her time to open that panel in the wall. She lifted the lid of the chest and jumped out quickly. She ran into the study and went to the place where Sooty had pressed the panelling. But <clears throat> before she could even run her fingers over the smooth brown oak, she heard returning footsteps. Mr Lenoir had hardly been half a minute. He was coming back at once. In a panic, poor George looked around for somewhere to hide. There was a large sofa against one wall. George crawled behind it, finding just room to crouch there without being seen. She was hardly there before Mr Lenoir entered the room, shut the door and sat down at his desk. He switched on a big lamp over it and bent to look at some documents. George hardly dared to breathe. Her heart bumped against her ribs and seemed to make a terrible noise. It was very uncomfortable behind the sofa, but she did not dare to move. She could not think what in the world to do. It would be terrible to be there for hours. What would the others think? They would soon be looking for her. They were. Even at that moment Sooty was outside the study door, pondering whether to go in or to knock. He knocked smartly, rap, rap, and George almost jumped out of her skin. 
she heard Mr. Lenoir's impatient voice. Who's that? Come in. Am I to have no peace? There was no answer. No one came in. Mr. Lenoir called again. Come in, I say. Still no answer. He strode to the door and flung it open angrily. No one was there. Sooty had fled upstairs at once. Oh, those tiresome children, I suppose, muttered Mr. Lenoir. Well, if any of them comes and knocks again and goes away, I'll punish them properly. Br bed and bread and water for them. He sounded fierce. George wished she was anywhere but in his study. What would he say if she, he knew she was only three or four feet away from him? Mr. Lenoir worked for about half an hour and poor George got stiffer and stiffer and more and more uncomfortable. Then she heard Mr. Lenoir yawn and her heart felt lighter. Perhaps he would have a nap. That would be a good luck. She might creep out then and try to get into the passage. Mr. Lenoir yawned again. Then he pushed his papers aside and went to the sofa. He lay down on it and pulled the rug there over his knees. He settled himself down as if for a good sleep. The sofa creaked underneath him. George tried to hold her breath again, afraid that now he was so near to her, he would certainly hear her. Soon a small snore came to her ears. Then another and another. The snores went on. Mr. Lenoir was asleep. George waited a few minutes. The snores went on a little louder. Surely it would be safe now to creep from her hiding place. George began to move very cautiously and quietly. She crept to the end of the sofa. She squeezed out from behind it. Still the snores went on. She stood upright and went on tiptoe to the panel that had slid aside. She began to press here and there with her fingers, trying to find the spot that would move the panel to one side. She couldn't seem to find it. She grew red with anxiety. She cast a glance at the sleeping Mr. Lenoir and worked feverishly at the panel. Where was the spot to press? Or where was it? Then a stern voice came from behind her, making her jump almost out of her skin. And what exactly do you think you are doing, my boy? How dare you come into my study and mess about like this? George turned round and faced Mr. Lenoir. He always thought she was a boy. She didn't know what to say. He looked very angry indeed and the tip of his nose was already white. George was frightened. She ran to the door, but Mr. Lenoir caught her before she opened it. He shook her hard. What were you doing in my study? Was it you who knocked and ran away? Do you think it's funny to play tricks like that? I'll soon teach you that it isn't. 
He opened the door and called loudly. Block, come here. Sarah, tell Block I want him. Block appeared from the kitchen, his face as blank as usual. Mr Lenoir wrote something down quickly on a piece of paper and gave it to him to read. Block nodded. I've told him to take you to your room, lock you in and give you nothing but bread and water for the rest of the day, said Mr Lenoir fiercely. That will teach you to behave yourself in the future. Any more nonsense and I'll whip you myself. Oh my goodness. My father won't be very pleased when he hears you're punishing me like this, began George in a trembling voice. But Mr Lenoir sneered. Pah! Wait till he hears from me how you misbehaved yourself, and I'm sure he will agree with me. Now go, and you will not be allowed out of your room until tomorrow. I will make your excuses to your father when he comes. Poor George was propelled upstairs by Block, who was only too delighted to be punishing one of the children. As she came to the door of that room, George shouted to the others who were in Julian's room next door. Julian, Dick, help me! Quick, help me! Oh, my goodness. Poor George. And still poor Timmy, because poor Timmy hasn't been found yet either. Or rescued, should I say. Oh, my goodness me. Well, oh dear. Let's find out tomorrow in Chapter 14. What happens next? Either to George or to Timmy. Oh, my goodness me. So, come and join me, same time, same place, for chapter 14, tomorrow. So, anyway, um, you make sure that you take care and stay safe, and I will see you all again tomorrow. Okay? Bye for now.